we'd like to welcome you back to part three of our end time preparedness prepper mega study. And now we're actually going to get into the prepping part of the study. We've kind of taken two parts as a, I don't know, I don't want to say intro, but I don't know, I guess to get us in the mindset of understanding why some of this, um, what we're going to be covering right now might be necessary, just one aspect of it. Now, what we're going to be talking about in the next, boy, I've got 16 more pages to cover, no, 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 hold on, I'm sorry, 26 more pages, uh, is going to be kind of a comprehensive look at things that would be of, let's say, immediate need if things started to really get bad. The last part of this is going to be looking at specific products. And these products are more of a, if you were going to like what they say, bug out, type of scenario. So, I'm not saying that this is going to cover every aspect of preparedness, prepping, and all. We're going to hit a lot of points, but it's in no way really exhaustive regarding this whole subject, because the subject is beyond vast. And there's just no way to really cover it. I would probably have to do a 20-part study to cover all aspects of it. And I'm not saying this is my absolute, you know, I'm beyond end forte, I, I know all about this stuff. I know some. I've been gearing up for a long time, doing a little bit here, a little bit there as I can. And um, I'm just going to kind of try to pass some of that on to you, the information I've learned over the years. And um, we'll start off by a question I had regarding long-term food company recommendation. I had a listener write me the other day and he said, are eFoods direct products a good way to prepare? He gave me a link to him. Or what do you recommend for long-term food storage? My reply was, they're okay. It's just that virtually all these companies load their products with, with hidden MSG, chemicals, and other garbage to improve the taste. I was at an expo this weekend and found a long-term food company and liked them as their ingredient list is not loaded with these chemicals. Remember what I said about reading labels and other studies? If you have a label and there's like... <clears throat> 50 ingredients in something, and most of the ingredients you can't even hardly read, or they they appear some chemical, or some big long word, just understand, that is usually always, almost has to be garbage, okay, because they're putting all of these chemicals and additives, things that would normally never occur in nature, and they're adding them to the food for some, many times, nefarious purpose. It's part of the whole depopulation scheme to create a sick, weak, population. Gum up your liver, gum up your bloodstream and your arteries and and your organs of elimination with all of these toxins in the food and in the water and create a sick, weak, dumbed down population. Um, One of the best things for uh, liver detoxification that I've found, there are the gallbladder cleanses you can do online where, you know, they could use the olive oil and the lemon juice. And those are good. But before you ever do one of those, you really need to be on the B vitamin, choline. 
for at least a couple weeks before you try to do one of those cleanses. And the reason that is, is because <clears throat> choline will defat the liver and also break down gallstones. So that if you do the gallbladder flush, you don't want to do a gallbladder flush and have hard calcium oxalate stones with sharp edges in your gallbladder and then do the flush and they literally tear their way out, which can happen. And if that happens, you can have peritonitis and you die very quickly from peritonitis typically. So you got to be a little careful with those. And choline is the B vitamin you need to take. You can get it at any health food store. You need to take that prior to doing a gallbladder flush for at least two weeks. Recently, <clears throat> with my daughter, her, her face, you know, she's in that teenage, those teenage years, and her face was starting to break out. And normally the things I would do for that are clay, bentonite clay, and a product I use from the professional line I have called Kizen. And it wasn't helping. And we, I implemented some choline, and her face cleared right up. I mean, it's perfect. Perfect. And it was from the choline, and she could literally feel her gallbladder. She had um, a day where her gallbladder was giving her sharp pains. And the gallbladder is literally, uh, it's like if you find your rib cage on the right side, the, the in the front, the lower part, right before the ribs end, if you come up, there's a there's a little indentation in your ribs. And if you press in there, if that's really tender, it's typically gallbladder uh, and or liver stress. And in today's day and age, there's so many things that can gum up your liver. And think of your liver like an oil filter. And it's very, very easy to get a toxic liver, a gallbladder full of stones or sludge. I did dissection for a year straight in chiropractic college. <clears throat> and every single cadaver that I examined, had a sack full of gallstones, without exception. It was it never varied. Didn't matter. And that was one of the things I always checked. Most people wouldn't even think to check that. But they had a sack full of stones. It's, it's the norm. When I first did a gallbladder flush, oh my word, probably my right after I got out of chiropractic college, I passed over 100 stones. You know, I mean, if that would have kept going on, if I would have never done anything about it, I would have had to have it removed, like most people. Well, the problem there is that if you get your gallbladder removed, you'll never digest fats again, ever, properly, because bile is what is stored in the gallbladder, and without bile, you cannot properly emulsify fats. So your, the fats that you do eat go rancid. You will never absorb fat-soluble vitamins, vitamins A, D, E, and K, again, properly, ever, because you won't have the bile to emulsify it. And it creates this cascade of problems, particularly with women hormonal issues, if they've had their gallbladder removed, because... Without fat-soluble vitamins, you cannot make hormones. So you can see how it would have wreak havoc on a woman's hormonal system. You can do the same thing for men, but women are more prone to it. Women are more prone to having gallbladders that need to be removed as well, statistically. But it's uh, saving a gallbladder is one of the easiest things on the planet to do, as far as the practice I was in when I first graduated. We had It was like we were a gallbladder practice. And I know a lot more now than I did then, but... <clears throat> You take choline for at least a couple weeks. Um, you know, whatever max dosage would be, I guess, on the bottle, if they have that. And that will get rid of a lot of the sludge and start breaking down the stones. And then, I guess, if you want to do the gallbladder flush, you can. But I just do choline and, um, like, a liver detox with it. And you can find liver detoxes at any health food store. 
But you want to do the choline first and then implement the liver detox in about two weeks. Or, and or you could do the gallbladder flush, like you can find online with the olive oil and lemon juice and that, Epsom salts and that. You can, there's many versions of it online. You can do a keyword search. But everybody is walking around with a toxic liver and that creates a toxic environment in the bloodstream, in the body. The, the liver is a, like an oil filter. So if it's, you've got a really dirty oil filter in your car, your oil's going to be dirty. Same with your blood. It puts extra stress on the kidneys and these types of things. So you need to have your liver functioning properly, your gallbladder functioning properly, your organs of elimination, the kidneys, and your colon. You need to get enough fiber in, um, do occasional flora that you can get at health food stores. It's in the refrigerated section. It puts back the good bacteria in your intestinal tract, which is probably gone if you've never done it. Because all you have to do is eat meat that has antibiotics. That they feed the cows and the chickens tons of antibiotics so they don't get sick. It gets concentrated in the meat, kills all your flora. Any cycle of antibiotics you've ever been on kills your healthy flora. Set you up for candida. That's, you know, I could go on and on and on about this. But having enough fiber in the diet... You know, colon cleansing. These are all things you can get at a health food store. And if you haven't ever done that, I would highly advise you to do it. I mean, you would never not get an oil lube and filter on your car. You'd never get a car and drive at 100,000 miles or until it basically, uh, the engine oil light came on. You just keep driving and keep driving and keep grinding it into the ground until it just, eventually the engine seizes up and the car's done. You would never treat a car that way, but we treat our bodies that way all the time. It's like the norm. And so, when I gave Taylor this choline, her face cleared right up. I mean, it was a, within like days. And she could literally feel her gallbladder vibrating. Younger, younger children and teenagers and children, they'll respond quicker to specific clinical nutrient therapy than an adult would. Our systems are more sluggish. We might have had a whole lifetime to where we were beating our organs up and not taking care of them. Whereas a child, they'll tend to respond quicker and um, more readily than an adult will. So um, every skin case is a liver case. And the reason I say that is because if the liver's toxic, what will happen is the um, toxins... If they can't get out through the liver, through the channels of the liver, through the, through the cytochrome P450 enzyme pathways, phase 1 and phase 2, if you want to be technical, if, if your body is unable to conjugate the toxins in the bloodstream, they'll come out through the skin, which is the largest organ of the body. So a lot of times, eczema, psoriasis, acne, you name it, skin cases are, with eczema and psoriasis, you're really dealing with candida, yeast, which I would really, the mild silver protein that I recommend, I'll get into that later. That's the best thing for that. But you're also dealing with liver. Um, so anyway, just kind of throw that in. Uh, that's what I specialized in for, I still do, but for 15 years I've been studying clinical nutrition and how to apply it with patients for a good, uh, about 20 years at this point. Just not in practice anymore. I'm doing this full time, walked away from, my clinical nutrition chiropractic practice so I could do this full time. The Lord's opened the doors to do this um, through, praise the Lord, the donations that have been sent in. And um, I've been able to actually walk because I just felt like this was way more important, what we're doing now. 
uh, to warn people. And um, so, praise the Lord for that. So anyway, I said I was at an expo this weekend, back to this thing about long-term food storage. And I found this long-term food company and really liked them as their ingredient list is not loaded with these chemicals. They even have some organic long-term foods. Talked to the owner. Uh, he seemed like a really nice guy. It's it's noahspantry.com, www.noahspantry.com. There's a link here I gave you. And there, the thing I liked about it is I looked at their like their cans of stuff, and it was like one, two, three, you know, ingredients, four maybe. That's what I wanted to see. Most of these other companies, like eFoods Direct and you name it, they've got like all of these ingredients, and it's it's so much of it's hidden MSG. If you want to know what that is, just key in hidden MSG, MSG monosodium glutamate, which is a neurotoxin. Excitotoxin is actually the technical name of it. Just key that in. Key in hidden MSG. And you'll see all the ways they hide it in products. It's, it's horrific for you. It can cause headaches and all kind of neurological symptoms. and just It's really, really bad stuff. There's whole books that have been written on it. But it's a taste enhancer. And it will get you addicted to the wrong types of food. So they hide it in all these different ways in, a lot of times, very, very cheap foods in order to make them way more palatable so you think, wow, this is really good stuff. And your taste buds are literally getting tricked into thinking all of these various ways they hide the MSG that, you know, wow, I'm getting something really tastes good. Yeah, well, what are the side effects, though? What are the long-term side effects of this stuff? I really like this Noah's Pantry because their, their food line was very simple. I like to keep it simple, you know. The Bible even refers to Jesus in, I believe, Isaiah, where it talks about how he, the, the simplicity of even the way he ate, that like butter and honey were his food, you know, meaning it was a simple thing. He wasn't eating, you know, all these, the Bible warns a lot about in Proverbs, about the, the dainty meats, the, the, the really expensive exotic foods of the kings and, you know, Turn those types of things away. Not to say that you can never have a whatever, but I'm just saying for the most part, um, we don't want to be gluttonous. We don't want to be let our appetites rule us. And in today's day and age in America, if it feels good, eat it. Essentially, you know. And there's just all types of ways to really get a lot of bad food in your system and. It's just going to gum up so many things in your body and set you up for so many things like cancer, heart disease, diabetes, arteriosclerosis, you name it, high blood pressure. And the list goes on and on and on. So I really like their ingredient list on their products. It's not perfect. It's not all organic, but it's a absolute two or three levels better than any about anything I've seen on the open market. I'm not saying there's not other com- companies out there, okay? Uh, but from a practicality standpoint, they've got a really big selection. Their ingredient list is small. They do have some organic long-term. And their prices are very competitive. So, anyway, I want to throw that out. I'm not getting anything for promoting. <laughs> he doesn't even know I'm promoting his company, but I'm just saying. I don't have any vested interest in it. Um, next next point. Um, proactive measures in the event of a pandemic. Now, I'm trying to cover a couple more things today than I might normally cover if we're just doing a prepping, but I'm trying to be a little bit comprehensive here. If we did get hit with one of these uh, pandemics, H1N1, swine flu, uh, whatever, okay, um, 
I give you here the dosing guidelines for the 5,000 part per million mild silver protein that I recommend from Invive. And um, tell you how to take it. Now, this is life or death. This is like, okay, I've got this. And let's say they release something in the air and you legitimately have it. You haven't even taken the vaccine, which mo- which... If you look back at 1918, 1919, Spanish flu pandemic that killed at least 50 million people, the people that got the vaccines were the ones that were contracting it. It was literally spread through the vaccines. Now, what they could do now is, with the advent of chemtrails, they could release what they call a binary agent, where half of it's in the vaccine and half of it's in the chemtrail. And then that way, people that are walking out of the CVS pharmacy aren't dropping dead in the parking lot. You know what I mean? It's like later, so you can't pinpoint it on the vaccine. If, you know, if I was Satan, and I was going to think about how to do this the right way, where there would be the least amount of repercussions on my end, that's probably the way I would handle it. You know? So, that's something to think about. Um, I give you the dosing guidelines here. I'm not going to get into all that. You can read that for yourself. It's on page 18 of the PDF. Um, the, now a lot of times people ask me, what's the shelf life? 15 year minimum on the Invive Silver. Their current expiration dates are 2025. (laughs) So, um, you know, they're actually good a lot longer than that. They may be good up to a hundred years. They've never had a bottle go bad, but for conservative FDA purposes, they're saying 15-year minimum shelf life, and they're even more conservative on the label because it's 2025. It might have went up. It might be 2027 now. I don't know. But the last time I checked, it was. So, um, okay, we just checked. It's 2026, and that, that might be 2027 now. I don't know because I got some of my bottles I haven't rotated through yet. So, um yeah, it's it's extremely stable. There's no other colloidal silver on the market that I know of that has any kind of near the shelf life of that because it's so stable. Um, highest potency, longest shelf life, and there's never been one case of argyria, which are these people that turn gray, reported from taking in Vibe Silver. Okay, there's like you know one out of <laughs> 50 million people that get it, and invariably the ones that get argyria are the ones that make it themselves with the generator. They make what they call ionic silver, which is extremely unstable, has a very short shelf life, and it converts into the type of silver that will actually turn you gray in the body once it hits the stomach acid or even the chlorides of your blood. That type of silver is unstable. Yeah, you take enough of it. I'm not saying it won't um, prevent an infection or those types of stuff. But I remember I met a lady in Topeka who was a pastor's wife, and she came up to me, and she was morbidly gray. And I had talked about the silver in my presentation, and she said, yep, and it was almost like she wanted to be the poster child for Algeria. And, I mean, she had that fresh-out-of-the-casket look. I mean, it was like she was morbidly gray. I mean, you looked at her, and it was like a double-take, because it's like, man, what's wrong with her, you know? I thought, you know, when I first see somebody like that, I think cancer, like that pallor, cancer. But... It's more than that. And she said, um, she said, yep, I drink 16 ounces a day, and I've taken it for years. And it turned me gray, but I don't get sick. I'm like, okay. <laughs> that's cool. If that's what you want to do, I'm not even going to try to argue with you. We're good. So it was almost like she wanted to pick a fight with me, I think. But um, ended up getting into a gigantic fight with her husband. He was Hebrew Roots. Um, 
and uh, got into a gigantic back and forth with him for months after I went on tour. But so I guess they kind of just like that argumentative thing. But uh, yeah, there it can happen, but not from the Invive Silver because of the way. Um, it's processed because of what happens to it in the stomach acid and the bloodstream is totally different than the ionic silver. This is true colloidal silver. And um, anyway, uh, if you want to know more about it, you can go to my website, www.dr-johnson.com. There's a link here. And um, the, the Invive factory put up the website. It's not my... It's kind of a little bit convoluted, um, but you can find out a lot about the product. Um, you can also email me, and I can send you some information on it. But anyway, that's that's that. Uh, March nineteen seventy issue of Science Digest in an article in an article entitled "Our Mightiest Germ Fighter" reported, "quote An antibiotic kills perhaps half a dozen." different disease organisms, but silver kills some 650. Resistant strains fail to develop. That's the big difference. It kills a lot more than uh, anything of a viral, bacterial, or fungal nature. Fungal meaning candida. The silver will go after. Uh, Antibiotics only work on about half a dozen different disease organisms. And now you've got the super strains created because of the overuse of antibiotics in the medical vein. And what's happened is, is you've got super strains of bacteria that have developed, like MRSA, which stands for Multiple Resistant Staph Aureus, that basically have proliferated in the hospitals, and they've got these super staph viruses that, you know, you get some on your leg, and like you're, you're, you've got to get your leg amputated the next week or something. They're really nasty. And uh, I've even got a newsletter on the MRSA how to deal with it with the mild silver protein. But that's something that you really got to get on. I mean, a lot of times you don't have a lot of time on that. But you you apply it actually topically and take a lot internally to go after something like that. But it says resistant strains fail to develop, meaning that they don't adapt where the silver doesn't work. The silver always works. Whereas antibiotics, that's not the case. They're, They're running out of stronger and stronger antibiotics that will work against these super strains. They've created this monster... Um, by the overuse of antibiotics. But they can patent antibiotics. And antibiotics are totally in the medical genre. And whereas silver, um, you can't patent that. It's, it's been a natural substance for a long time, even prior to the 1938 takeover of the FDA. And so there's no, the money there is just not to be made because they can't patent it and antibiotics tend to create a worse problem Meaning when you kill the bad guys, it also kills your own good flora and it devastates your own immune system so that you have to keep going back on cycles of antibiotics typically from the yeast alone and you also have the cycle of getting sick over and over. You become dependent on them. That's what they want. That's what medically they want from drugs. They want you to have to keep taking it for the rest of your life. They want you dependent on it. It's all about reoccurring revenue. That's their whole goal. Controlling the patient, creating a sick, weak population, and reoccurring revenue. Then, you have to take more uh, drugs to counteract the side effects from the drugs you're taking. And then you end up, hopefully, from their standpoint, on 20 different meds by the time you die. Mission accomplished. They killed you off, and they had a, got 
a whole bunch of your money, if not all of it. So, um, that's what they're all about. And if you look at the apps, at the origin of the pharmaceutical companies and key in pharmaceutical or pharma or whatever in the keyword search box at contendingfortruth.com, and I've done whole studies on this, how wicked it was, the foundation of the uh, these pharmaceutical companies, which own the medical colleges and the hospitals half the time or have a whole huge vested interest. It's wicked. Um, UCLA Medical Center said colloidal silver killed every virus that was tested in the lab. There's a um, colloidal silver, mild silver protein desk reference guide for specific health problems uh, at my website that I just mentioned. There's a couple links here. So you can go up there and see what they say. And Vive took many years to put that together. And then the truth about mild silver protein, uh, rebuttals of promoters, misinformation. There's a lot of... uh, There's so much disinformation on the internet about colloidal silver. And anyway, a lot of the things regarding that are answered at this particular link. And then actual mild silver protein scientific medical studies. There's a whole link. There's a link to just that. And um, then there's a thing right here. Um, All mild silver protein is made under pharmaceutical uh, good manufacturing practices with what they call double checkoff lists. The silver that is used is the finest available and is the same silver used in the 1938 edition of the 12th volume of the British Encyclopedia of Medical Practice, Royal College of Physicians and Surgeons. Uh, blah, 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 and it goes on to tell more about... Because I get a lot of questions, so I, I like to put this here in case anyone's interested. Uh, today's modern antibiotics kill over 100,000 Americans per year, and that's probably conservative, and that cause horrendous liver and kidney damage, failure, death, plus candida, big time, whereas the Invive mild silver protein formulation has never caused one death. Now, if you want to see the, the um, presentation I did entitled Avion Flu, Killer of Millions. This is the one I did the 14-city tour on back in 06. The Prophecy Club version is not up on the internet anymore. It, the person probably got taken down. The Prophecy Club goes after anybody that airs their videos. It's nothing like rationing the bullets, you know? I love that. It's, you know, it's always about the money, you know? So they took my presentation down because they go after any of theirs because it's their, you know, copyright infringement. It's our proprietary material, whatever. I don't really care. When you have to stand before God and you've rationed the bullets and you've charged and you've went after people when there's information that you could have provided for free that you didn't, you have to, that's between you and God. Well, what would I have done to survive? You know what? God can provide. I've learned that. God can provide. You know, but but you're taking money out of my pocket. Oh, yeah, boy, oh boy. I mean, isn't that a terrible thing? Yeah. And you deprived large swaths of humanity with information that could have literally possibly maybe saved their life? Well, I know, but it's all about me making the money. Oh, okay, that's between you and God. But uh, I've always chosen to try to give it away. The information I've got, I try to freely, freely have I received, freely I give. Well, no, not freely, because I guess I spent a lot of money on my chiropractic education and all the other degrees that I got afterwards. (laughs) But I still try to freely give it away because I know there's people that need to have this information. And, um, you know, anyway, there's the 16-part teaching, which is up on YouTube. I give you the link to that. 
It's called Avion Flu, Pandemics, What to Expect, How to Prepare. And then I did a teaching on colloidal silver, mild silver protein, its history and uses. And then I did a abbreviated teaching on my 16th part, which is entitled Avion Flu, Population Control, H5N1, and Biological Warfare. So I'll give you all those links. And going further here in the study, uh, also having access to a personal nebulizer. You can actually take the mild silver protein. The company recommends you never use more than 100 parts per million in a nebulizer. I've used personally up to 500, but they say never recommend anything more than 100 parts per million in the nebulizer. Okay, so there's my disclaimer. Um, you can actually nebulize that straight into the lung fields and actually literally get the silver into the lung fields, which obviously if you have something like of a lung infection nature, that would be an ideal way. You'd also want to consume it internally as well. Uh, a good general uh, multivitamin mineral super product, it would be like Intramax by Drucker Labs. 415 organic nutrient complexes in all-in-one liquid formulation. Uh, it's, it's good. It's expensive. I'll be honest. It's expensive, and that's why I don't promote it that much. It's, it's, I, but I have nothing to do with the price. I have nothing to do with the company, the price. Or just like I don't have anything to do with the pricing or the company regarding Invive. A lot of people say, think I work for Invive. I don't work for Invive. I promote their product. They put a website up for me when I did the, the tour in 06 because I didn't want to try to deal with all of the, you know, questions and, and a lot of the th stuff that came up on the tour. I, I answered questions every night for probably a half hour after each speaking engagement that I did as it was. So, um, Intramax is good stuff. I also like Innate. Um, innate response formulas. It's all food state um, nutrients, meaning every single vitamin and mineral from innate or right foods is derived from a food. And those are professional lines that I carry, but you, a lot of times people have been able to find them online as well. We've got a really good line of multis. Uh, Intravax would be if you wanted to do a liquid multivitamin, multimineral, kind of all-in-one type of thing. And so, try to make it as simple as possible. So I give you the links on the Intramax here uh, to do that. Uh, gas mask recommendations, I give you a link for that. Never know, might have a situation where if they actually have found some way to aerosolize, let's say, you know, even um, the anthrax or something airborne, you know, or... Obviously, there's a lot of thing, ways where gas masks might come up. You can look at that. Now, going further, people ask me a lot of times, well, is there any books out there or whatever that kind of go through detailed analysis of, of the subject? Well, Stan Deo has a book called Dare to Prepare. I have not read it, but I've heard good things about it. Uh, there's a good one. i give you the link for that. And then here's another book. People say, where do I go? Well... Again, all of this stuff should be done with praying, possibly fasting. But there's a book out called Strategic Relocation, North American Guide to Safe Places, an in-depth analysis of North America's safe places to live. I know it's not going to help you if you're in Australia or, you know, Timbuktu or whatever, but um, this is all I can offer, sorry. Uh, 
the book will help you look ahead for potential threats and other that most other people fail to see or choose to ignore. It contains a complete discussion of the strategies and relocation contingencies that will help you avoid or mitigate each of the major and modern threats. From natural, natural disasters to economic collapse to nuclear war. So I'll give you a link to that. Again, I don't have anything to do with any of this stuff. So, I mean, other than the, the silver, this is all. I'm just putting this out. Uh, another book, Prudent Places USA. And that's Stan Deo's book on basically... His answer to, okay, where where should we possibly maybe go? And so I give you the link to that. Uh, that way you have a little bit as far as options go. Next part is the um, top five priorities in emergency preparedness. And I'm just going to go over these real quick. Number one, make a plan. Sometimes it's hard to know where to start with your emergency supplies. If you aren't careful, you end up spending a lot of time and energy, money on items and in areas that won't really help you and your family be prepared. So it's it's a it's important to take a balanced approach when it comes to the subject. Like you could go out and just stock up on ammo and guns, and it's like okay, that's not going to feed you, you know, <laughs> you know. So it's important not to put all your eggs in one basket. That whole thing. So this gets into that a little bit. And there's a uh, this links you to a website called the Ready Store, which has a lot of these things that um, end time preparedness stuff. So make a plan, review, rotate, replace, make adjustments for family size, age, local community needs. Consider evacuation, communication, and staying put. Number two, gather, grab, and go supplies. Seventy-two hour kits, MREs, food bars, water pouches, water purification, first aid storage. Um, number three, gather shelter in place supplies, radios, flashlights, first aid, sanitation, and hygiene, warm, warm, and there's links to all of these different, like first aid, there's a link, it goes to their site and it shows you their first aid stuff. Sanitation and hygiene, which is one that a lot of people don't think of, takes you a link to that. So again, I'm, all I'm doing today is hitting the high points, I'm not going to get into great depth on any of this stuff, because... I mean, I'm not the be-all, end-all expert on this stuff. I'm kind of like a jack-of-trades, jack-of-all-trades. Um, I want to say master of none. I mean, there's some things i got a lot of experience in, but I tend to be more like, you know, trying to be a liaison between me and getting my listeners moving in the right direction, regardless of what department we're dealing with here. You know, uh, clean waters, point four. Uh, then there's regarding water storage, barrels, filters, and again, there's links to all these things. Uh, shelf stable food, items in pantry, short term, long term food storage items. So you can avail yourself if you like to there. This this <laughs> this PDF alone, you could probably spend several weeks clicking on the links and going through a lot of this stuff. So um, I had a listener send me this. It's a uh, flu remedy. Uh, Handy helpers. I wonder if this link is even active anymore. Let me just see. Because, I, ah, yeah, he took it off. Sorry. Sorry about that. For some reason, he told me that he was he was only going to have this link up for like three or four months, and then it was going to be gone. So, I don't I'm sorry. It's going to be in the PDF, but the link doesn't work. I'm sorry about that. Then, the next thing is white pine needles for the immune system. Now, this would be like, okay, let's say you're out. And you have, like, you're, you're caught in a situation where, you know, you don't have access to anything. You know, white pine needles, um, 
uh, are about 3% weight ischemic acid. They also contain a very high content of vitamin C. And this is a natural vitamin C. This isn't the garbage they sell in the stores, which they call ascorbic acid. Ascorbic acid is one part of the vitamin C complex molecule. It's just the, it's just the antioxidant portion. It is not vitamin C. Calling ascorbic acid vitamin C is like taking the, the wheel off a Cadillac and calling the wheel the Cadillac. No, it's not the Cadillac. It's part of the Cadillac. Okay, so true food state, vitamin C. There's only one company I know of that really sells it. Now, I know that there's they've got these other ones out now. I've even heard on Alex Jones Advertise uh, where they're, they're getting more of a concept of this. I use the one by Right Foods. Innate Response Formulas has one, but I like the C500 from Right Foods. I mean, it's it's dynamite. I take a couple of those typically every day. I really have felt a big difference with my immune system. I don't take the silver every day, just so you know. Uh, I know I've talked about it a lot in the past, but silver acts as a secondary immune system. Okay? But it doesn't replace what our primary immune system should be doing, like our, with our white blood cells and these types of things, and different types of phagocytes and lymphocytes and macrophages and these types of things, the, our, our, our lymphatic system in the body. The vitamin C helps our immune system and our adrenal glands. It helps us adapt and cope with stress. It's an antioxidant, meaning it's a free radical quencher. And free radicals are what cause a lot of breakdowns in the body. It causes us to age. It causes aging. Or it's one of the main factors for aging. And the vitamin C is incredibly important for your immune system. But I remember when I used to take ascorbic acid, I'm like, and then I found out what it was. I'm like, I'm not going to take this garbage. And then I started taking this stuff. And man, that right food C500, man, is good stuff. Really the best vitamin C I've ever taken. Now, there's other kinds out there that I'm pretty sure now are becoming more whole food oriented, and that's good. I'm glad. I want people to have access to those things. But the pharmaceutical companies, the ones that came along, you know, back decades ago and said, oh no, this uh, vitamin C is ascorbic acid, and we'll make it in gigantic vats and drums, and uh, we'll, we'll put it in, in all the vitamin products, and we'll call it natural, and it's not. It's synthetic, it's just like a drug. It, and it will have side effects if you take it. Not as much as a regular drug would, but eventually they cause problems in the body. Your body has to rob Peter to pay Paul to deal with a synthetic vitamin taken over and over and over again. And a lot of these, I'm sorry, but a lot of these long-term foods, they're loaded with all these synthetic vitamins. You'll see all these fancy names on there of all these different vitamins, and you think, oh, it's fortified, so it's good for me. No, it's not. It's a synthetic vitamin sprayed into the food. They've stripped it of everything, you know. Most of the time, they've stripped the food of all nutrient content. It's like Wonder Bread rocks bodies in 13 different ways. Oh, I'm sorry, it used to say builds bodies. What they would do is they would strip everything from the wheat, everything. So it was this nice white, you could literally, you know, use this as wall paste, wallpaper plaster paste, and... Spray back in 13 different vitamins. And they were synthetic. It's, it's totally unnatural. Totally something that, that our bodies have never, ever meant to consume or digest. But that's what they do with food. They adulterate it. They spray chemicals in it. And now they've got the whole line of 
these devil sweeteners like NutraSweet and sucralose and asphaltane potassium and saccharin and Splenda and all this garbage and they all have horrific side effects and they're all neurotoxins and they're all terrible for your body. Horrific. If you want to stay as close to nature, as close to the way God made it as possible. That's why I like the food state nutrients. Because they're literally derived from a food and there's very few companies that have it figured out. Um, so anyway, um, pine needles, evidently, I guess the white pine needles uh, are a substantial store source of ischemic acid, which is good for the flu, also a really high C content. And if they, if you get the flu, you may want to indulge in pine needle tea. You want to wash them because of the chemtrails, because anything outside, you can really wash it. And again, that's another important thing. Um, washing anything that's been outside, um, fruits, vegetables, these types of things, soaking them in some purified water, with um, vinegar is good. Um, if it's something like an apple or something that doesn't have a porous surface, like that's going to absorb, you can use a little bit of, like I use a little bit of that natural soap. I like that Cal Ben soap, that shampoo they got. They've got um, foamer bottles that you can buy. Man, the soap goes a long way and you only have to use a little bit. You only have to like put like... Uh, on one of their foamer bottles from Calben Soap, you buy their shampoo. I use that stuff for everything. I know it says shampoo, but I use it for hand soap, uh, shampoo. Uh, it's very mild. It has like a nice, real nice scent to it. It's kind of a coconut scent. It's all natural soap. It doesn't have all the caustic garbage that most of all the other soaps have on the market. Now, they've also got other products you can buy. But I really like their, and I like those foamer bottles they sell because the foamer bottles, you put a little bit of soap in there and then fill the rest with water and a little bit goes a long way with that foamy soap. So you could put a little bit of that in the water. Um, there are vegetable and fruit rinses you can get at the health food store, but they're kind of expensive. But vinegar is good. A um, little bit of the Calben soap. Uh, baking soda is also something that can be used. I know there's other things, and I, I know I'm missing those, but um, you just want to try to make sure you're breaking the pesticide or the chemtrail bond on a fruit or vegetable that you're eating. And typically, you have to break those types of bonds with some type of surfactant. And a surfactant would be, like an example of a surfactant would be like vinegar or soap, something that's going to cut that molecular bond. Water won't do it by itself. I mean, it'd be better nothing, but, and I don't advise using like regular like soap either, like the, the antibacterial death soap that they've got. You know, never for that. Um, so anyway, I wanted to throw that in. See, I could just get going off on a subject and just do like a hour tangent. That's when I don't know how in the world I'm going to possibly get through this material. I've only got 23 more pages and an hour and 19 minutes to finish four parts, so hey, I'm not too bad. Anyway, uh, next link is Excellent Emergency Medical Supplies. It's called, the store is doomandbloom.net. Uh, I was pretty sure they were at the expo I was at this last weekend. Man, I was impressed with them. They got some nice little kits you can get. And um, just really good. Not I'm not saying it's not like you're going to be Marcus Welby and you're going to go into surgery and, you know have your speculum on and in your full, you know, whatever gear. But, I mean, it, it could be something that literally could save your life. 
So, um, I'll give you the link to that. Here's the next link. Doomsday Bunker shows one man is helping people to prepare for Armageddon. Of course, I'm not going to refer to as Armageddon, but that's a little ways down the road here. The impact of the tsunami in Japan over a year ago is felt in the United States, prompting an estimated 1,000% increase in the sale of Doomsday Bunkers. Secret underground safe houses built to deliver families through um, Armageddon-like catastrophes. Now, that's the ultimate, as far as I'm concerned. If you were to have an underground bunker stocked, that preferably nobody knew about, that's the ultimate. Okay, now I'm not saying God can't protect you. I'm just saying, from a logistical standpoint, <laughs> it doesn't get much better. Because you would be, you'd be taken care of, you'd be concealed, you would, you would, uh, you know, it would protect you from the radiation if we got nuked. Um, it just, it was, so many bases would be covered, you know, with that. But anyway... In the wake of the deadly tornadoes that ripped through Indiana and Kentucky, interest in impenetrable underground safety zones have once again peaked. Uh, so, what exactly? So, what exactly goes into the creation of a secret, secure bunker? Dallas-based deep earth bunker owner Scott Bales and his engineers have teamed up with the Discovery Channel to show exactly what goes into these technologically advanced secretive hideouts. Each episode of the Doomsday Bunkers is a start-to-finish guide in the building of a bunker and shows you how. Each of of the safety rooms is tailor made to suit the owner's needs. Now these are people that have deep pockets, okay? Way out of my price, <laughs> way out above my pay grade, okay? But these are people that have deep pockets that can afford something like this. And um, then right here, then I give you several links here. Build your own bunker. So um, you know, I'm not saying it's for everyone, but if you're interested. One's a home fallout shelter. So in other words, some, it goes from like something almost anybody could do to something that you would really, you know, be a very much more in depth. Uh, the next, and these, there's links here. There's these free links you can go to. I'm pretty sure it says save. If, if you right click the link and save as, you can actually save them right onto your computer. Next one is fallout shelter for above ground. Next one is fallout shelter modified ceiling. Next one is fallout shelter concrete basement. Next one's fallout shelter tilt up storage unit. Fallout shelter learn to lean to shelter, and then how to build a bomb shelter. So interesting stuff there. Okay, let's go further here. Here's the next part. It says emergency response protocols establishing operational guidelines for times of crisis. And this kind of gives you this whole these note cards you go through depending on the on the disaster. And it's like all you, you like you do it and you it's like I don't think you can buy these, but you have to like maybe print them out in your computer and then laminate them and then have all these little potential scenarios in front of you. You can literally, okay, we got nuked. Okay, you go to that set of cards and you start flipping and you start following whatever it tells you to do. Well, you know, I think that's great because, you know, you're you're forearming yourself with knowledge and in the heat of battle, if this stuff was happening, there may be a whole bunch of stuff you're going to forget, you know, and this would help keep you centered and on track. So I give you that. They're free downloads. There's a whole bunch of them here. There's a, there's a link to the YouTube video that describes them. Now the next part, and this is really my final part, is from a listener. 
Um, he didn't want me to reveal his name or anything like that. Uh, I'll just say a dear listener from Australia. And this is him writing. And I'm not going to go through every part of this because my time's real limited. And a lot of this you're going to have to go and, and click on and, and really go through. But this is a guide to gear that I recommend you buy. I'm not here. Now, this is, this is him writing. I'm not here to show you the cheapest gear in the market because that is not the intent of this document. I'm here to show you what I recommend for you to buy and the gear that will last, not gear that will necessarily save you money. Not to say that there's not, that he doesn't try to say, okay, if you're going to buy this, get it here because you'll pay the least amount of price for it, the least amount of money. So bear that in mind. Over the last month, I've been putting together a document for you. You can download it here. And there's a link here that you can click on and I believe this is the whole this is the whole document online that you can access. And I just, I'm just going to click on this real quick and see what comes up here. Okay, so this this document. Now I've modified the document a little bit because I've I've thrown some comments in there and I've updated a couple links on here. That when I clicked on, I found that either maybe the link wasn't working or they had upgraded or something on the product. So I tried to do that with a lot of these products if I found anything. So for the PDF portion of this part, um, you may want to stick with my PDF because some of the li- I added some things in there and some of the links so you could... And I'll show you as we go along. You'll understand what I'm talking about. So anybody, it is online and the link is there that you can click on. And um, let me... Just cancel out of that and go back to this. Okay, so this is kind of like him talking to you. He says, Scott has been warning you to start prepping for years because good gear isn't cheap and cheap gear isn't good. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Anyway, if you want to buy cheap, junky gear, then you may as well stop reading this now. I, however, if, however, you are serious about preparing for what's ahead, please read on. This document has been put together after hundreds, and I mean hundreds hours of research, and a lot of buying and testing gear personally. See, he's done way, way more than I have. I mean, he puts me to shame, okay, regarding this particular subject. I can't even hold a candle. So, this is not a second-hand review I've cut and paste off the internet. The gear that I've listed here is what I have, and what I will personally be using when the system collapses. And I should say, I, I mean... I really trust this source, this listener. Really trust him, okay? So anyway, I'm giving you information that has taken me over six years of dedication, dollars, and study and review to come up with. I hope you appreciate it, and may God watch over you and forever guide your path. So, okay, so what do we start out with? Faith. Faith in my King James Bible, the greatest force multiplier in the universe, your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and his pure and precious words of God, where you will be able to draw strength from, be the guiding light and path to follow, and give you the peace that passes all understanding. Now, the Bible says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? Psalm 11, verse 3. So, I think this is a great place to start, you know, with the word of God. Now, he... um, he lists here uh, the Holy King James Bible by local church Bible publishers, and he gives a link there. This is the best place to buy a pure authorized King James Holy Bible. And um, then he also has listed here a KJV Bible, a waterproof Bible. 
The pages are made from polymer, not paper, even though it looks like paper. But it's unaffected by water. Pages can't be torn, and it's virtually indestructible. So that's interesting. Really, really interesting there with that. And then he goes, now I'm going to kind of go through this rapid fire here because, you know, I'm kind of running out of time here, and and a lot of this you're going to have to go research yourself. Uh, He has here also a 120 slash 160 gigabyte iPod Classic. He said, don't laugh. This is an important piece of the kit. You can even buy them cheap at secondhand stores. This will allow you to listen to the KJB audiobook, hundreds of sermons, Bible studies, and, of course, the contendingfortruth.com site since it started in 2006. Uh, if you have one of my, um, the USB flash drives that are, it's not sold on my website, but listener sells those on eBay. If you go up to contendingfortruth.com, you scroll down to the right side, you can buy those, and it has all of the uh, teachings we've done and a whole bunch of other stuff on there as well. Because uh, a lot of times people say, well, how can I get all your teachings? Well, it's it's all there on one like, I think it's up to 20 gigabytes or something now, flash drive. And um, I don't have anything to do with the sale of that, but um, my listener takes care of that, and he does all that, and God bless him, you know, because that's, that's a lot. And he keeps it all updated, too. So, and if you want, that would be something to have, possibly, as well. So... Uh, this will be a real blessing to make isolation not only bearable but enjoyable when the power goes out. So if you're in an isolated situation, something to think about. Uh, next thing, KJB Audio Bible by Alexander Scorby. The cheapest is available on uh, eBay, but he gives another link where you can buy it online as well. And then a battery-powered iPod dock. This will allow others to sit around and listen to the words of God in sermons too. So, <laughs> it's awesome. Uh, anyway, then now, what's the next thing to think about? Water. Now, I have to say that w- th- these recommendations we're going over from pretty much here on out. Yes, I think they're super important. Especially in light of if you were looking at a bug out scenario and you literally had to leave your house and you couldn't take a whole lot with you. Okay, that is what this from here on out, it's pretty much geared toward. We're not going to really, we're not really talking about transporting large amount of foods over, over long distances and, and like, you know, 300 gallon water barrels. We're talking about if you had to grab and go and take what they call a bug out bag and get out, what are the absolute essentials? Okay. So hopefully you'll be in a situation where, you, although I think this stuff is important to have because you never know what you might be thrust into, but hopefully you will be in a situation where you can go someplace and actually, you know, have your survival goods and, and water and these types of things um, taken care of, and you're going to be in more of a long-term, I'm in this for the long-term type of situation. Whereas a lot of the stuff we're going to be discussing would be essential to have in a short-term bug-out scenario. But, still to have it, because none of us ever know what we might be facing. So I, I kind of want to preface that. You know, uh, water. The platypus, three-liter water bags. Um, again, he's only recommending the best here. Okay, And there's specific reasons that he's recommending each product. And... Um, the, these are just top of the line, 
these things. Now, some of the links are to Australia sites, but if you do keyword searches for these, you can find them in probably whatever locale you're in, or, or at least something where it's not too far as far as shipping goes. And um, the next thing is uh, called a Camelback Antidote Mil-Spec 100-ounce hydration bladder. Uh, and then he says, drinking on the move is very important. Dehydration just as much as your level of fitness will slow your pace down while walking. Having a water bladder system that won't leak and won't puncture is paramount. Uh, so, usually anything he's recommending is just just amazing. I mean, I was I, I learned a lot going through this, and I realized how inadequately prepared I am. I thought I was pretty good. I'm sure I'm better than 99% of the people out there, maybe, I think. But I really realized reading through this list, it was pretty humbling. Because <laughs> I was like, oh my word. I hadn't really, I mean, maybe I thought about it, but I hadn't acted on it. So, uh, anyway, uh, let's go further. The next thing is called a mill bank. Uh, it's used for decades by the UK military for filtering water. Uh, does not remove bacteria or viruses, but will make the water clean and more palatable to drink. And he gives you a little link there, a little picture. Next one is portable water filter. I, he says, I recommend the Catanine pocket filter due to the amount of water you can quickly filter in the longevity of the cartridges. 13,000 gallons to 50,000 liters? My word, that's a lot. But all their models are excellent. And they are, top of the line, um... Just remember to grab extra cartridges if you buy a paper filter model. Uh, next one is called, what they refer to as a water bob. Now, I've seen these advertised, uh, I think up on Alex Jones or one of these sites. I got one of these for our bathtub. And um, this is a great invention and must-have for home. I agree. It's a food-grade plastic bladder that stores away in a cupboard and can be deployed preemptively to store over 100 gallons of water safely in your bathtub. So... You know, you can see, man, the bombs are starting to fall or, or whatever's going on. And you're thinking, you know what, there's a very good chance we're going to lose power. We might lose water. You put this bladder in your, uh, it's like a liner, in your bathtub. You fill it up. you got got 100 gallons of water right there. So that could be invaluable. And then if you, and then he goes on to say, if you have the space and can afford it, I can't stress enough how important a water tank connected to your home's guttering system is you can only last three days without water. You need a lot of it to function properly. Water is very heavy and hard to move and store and keep it potable in large amounts and to keep potable in large amounts. So it's true. You know, I want to be nice when we get to heaven. We don't have to worry about all this stuff that we need to survive and thrive and just, you know, we really, I mean, humans, we're high maintenance. <laughs> We, I mean, when I start looking at this stuff, I realize how high maintenance we really are. You know, I mean, I'm sure some people are a lot less high maintenance. And, and back in, you go back a couple hundred years ago, they were way less high maintenance than we are. I mean, they, they functioned and sufficed off a fraction of what, like, a typical American would. You know, so, <laughs> we are high maintenance. So, let's go further. Food. Freeze-dried food. Always have a nice hot meal every night. Some dinners are... Uh, it goes through some things they have there. Um, one thing helpful is that you can eat the meal straight from the pack, so no washing up dishes. This may sound, not sound like much, but if the wa town water gets shut off, preservation of water is critical. You may want to drink washing, you, 
do you want to drink washed up water? No thanks. So, he says, for the Aussies and Kiwis, he gives a link site. In other words, if you're from Australia or New Zealand, backcountry cuisine. And for the Yankees, <laughs> that would be Americans, Mountain House. Now, again, I gave my recommendation. I like the Noah'sPantry.com. I'm not saying you couldn't supplement with these other types of meals. And I understand there's applications. I mean, if you were on the run, you're not going to have maybe the luxury I mean, you're not going to have the luxury of having big cans of individual things. You're not going to be able to take that in a backpack. You're going to want grab-and-go type of stuff. And and you might want that for the first two or three months if, if you're in a really big-time survival situ- scenario, like what I presented in the first two parts of the study, where it's like life or death every day. You know, you're not going to worry about, well, am I, am I eating organic? Uh, mung beans and sprouts every meal or whatever, you know, you're not going to worry about that stuff. So I understand, I, I bear that in mind, I, I, I want to make that clear as well. Uh, next thing is storable grains, or rice, wheat, corn, beans, store them in sealable plastic buckets with food, well, I put in food grade. You really need to use food grade diametaceous earth to protect them. Now, what does that do? It will prevent, um, like the parasitic uh, insect infestation which is a lot of times you have these types of foods and they're in there and you don't know it and you store them and then all of a sudden when you first got them, hey, there was no bugs in here and then you, you, you look at them six months later and it's infested. What the food grade diametaceous earth does, which you can take it internally too, I do that and I had a listener sending like 50 pounds of it, God bless her, um, and her husband, but... um. And you always got to get food grade, because if you don't get food grade, the other, there's only, I believe, one other grade, and it's the kind they use in pool filters. And that's not what you want to use, okay? But what it does to a parasite is it acts, acts like little shards of glass. And when they eat it, they die, because it rips their, it rips them apart internally. I know that's kind of cruel, but hey, it's either us or the bugs, so. Um, anyway, you just sprinkle that in, it's cheap. Sprinkle it in your, like, let's say you got a bucket of rice. Now, what I like to do is um, get those mylar linings. You get the my, get just key in mylar, uh, five-gallon bucket liners. And what you do is you put it in mylar so it's not just sitting on that plastic. And then you put some diametaceous earth. You know, you, you kind of sprinkle it in as you're putting your thing. And then you seal it. And the best way to do it is to use oxygen absorbers on top of that. I know that's a lot. And right now, the way it's looking, oxygen absorbers might not be a big deal because we might be cracking into that food pretty soon. Uh, and we're talking long-term food storage here. But I'm just saying if you could do it all the way, that's probably the best way. And then he goes on to say, don't forget to buy a hand mill, like the kind you grind up wheat berries and stuff like that if you're going to make your own bread or whatever, to turn grain into flour. You can get those relatively cheap. I got one. It wasn't very expensive. It works great. So... um there's electric kind, there's hand crank, you know. The hand crank, though, is bet more practical because if we lose power, <laughs> you're not going to be able to power the electric unless you have, like, solar or something. Um, or some other source. Then number three, non-GMO heirloom seeds. Best trading item pound for pound. A lot of times they say, well, this was going to be one of the trading, bartering commodities, seeds, which they'll be more potentially worth their weight in gold, if not more. And then buy them now and store them away. Start growing them, or start growing, learn, and feed yourself. Okay, next next um, point, cooking and boiling. 
Uh, first one, Coleman dual fuel stove. I got a couple of these. Just worked out that way. Um, he goes into, gives you a little website link. Uh, simple to use. Um, now, you know what I learned about these? Little trick, little tip for you here. Like, Heloise's helpful hints. This is Scott's helpful hints. Um, I had one of these, and I don't know if, you know, if it had really been used or if it had been a long time. I think I bought it used, and I could not get this thing to ignite. I had been reading a lot about acetone, and I put a little bit of acetone in the actual fuel. Now, I'm not saying you cook with it, but I'm saying a little bit of acetone. And I do this because if you put it in the cars, I've been doing it in my car, my, my vehicles for years. A little bit of acetone, every every fuel, every fill up. Not a lot, like an ounce or two. What it does is it greatly enhances the combustion. That thing fired right up as soon as I put the acetone in it. It was amazing, that Coleman fuel, that Coleman stove. I'll never forget it. And it, I could not get it to start. I could not get it to start no matter what it is. As soon as I put a tiny bit of acetone in the fuel, it lit right up. No consequences. No, it wasn't like it blew up or something. It was just perfect. So I, it kind of got things as almost like it cleaned it out. And that's what it does in a car, too. It keeps the uh, fuel lines in uh, in the carburation, or not the carburation, but the fuel injectors keeps all that nice and clean. What you should do if you're going to use that, though, ongoing, is every once in a while do one of the things where those things where it takes water out of the gas line, because that's the one thing about acetone is I think it can, with repeated use, build up water in the gas lines. I've never had a real issue with it, but I always do that every once in a while because I read that. So, I researched that a lot before I did it, and I, I mean, I'm telling you, I've never had any repercussions in my vehicles, ever. And you'll get much, you'll get better gas mileage. That's the main reason you do it. Plus, you keep your fuel systems clean. So, uh, that's something I've done for, like, years and years and years. So, um, I can say that with confidence now. Never said anything about it before, because I hadn't done it long enough. Now, I've done it for years. So, uh, okay, let's go further. The Soto Muka... OD1NP stove. Now, Soto, I didn't really know a lot about them, but I saw these links, and I'm like, man, this is top of the line. The Soto stuff. It's not cheap, but man, do they have some slick little items. Problem with Soto, you're going to find out, is some of their items are impossible to find just about. Um, This is a little gas stove that, um, reliable, powerful output, ease of care, and there's all these little, if you go up on YouTube in like Ken Soto for whatever you're they've got all these little demonstration videos that are really cool. And um uh there's that and then there's this little cool dude which is called a BioLite stove and he lists this as a must-have item. This is a really cool thing. He sent me the link to this recently. Cooks your meals, boils your water with nothing but the twigs you collect on your journey, eliminating the need for heavy, expensive and polo polluting petroleum gas. This is a very small little stove, but it also converts the heat from the fire into usable electricity. This stove will recharge your batteries and other gadgets like your iPod while you cook dinner. (laughs) It's awesome. So, yeah, um, there's a link there. Now, I also, I have a comment here I put in, and I said I also recommend this stove as well. It's called an EcoZoom Rocket Stove. Now, this is one of the companies that was at the um, 
it's funny, I had this on my list of things to get, and I came into this expo at this gun show, it was, it was next to the gun show, and the first thing I see is this Echo Stove, and I, I was on my list of things to buy. By getting it at the thing, I save like 50 bucks, because they're normally like 120 or 30 depending on what one you buy, but they had both their models for 100 bucks, you know, cash and carry type of deal. So the Echo Zoom stove or the Zoom Dura are wood burning models that are up to 50, use up to 56% less fuel and burn 70% cleaner than the open fire. It's a little, I think it's a little bit bigger than the BioLite stove we just described. It's not practical to backpack with, or if you're going to, if you're going to have a, uh, um, worst case scenario type of bug out bag. I think the BioLite stove is smaller. So it's more practical from that standpoint. But if you were going to cook day in, day out, I think this EchoZoom stove, depending, if it's just for yourself, it's one thing. But if you're cooking for multiple people, you got a bigger dish, it'll hold a little bit more. Um, anyway, uh, it, it consumes 56% less fuel. And by fuel, we mean like twigs. And you can go out and whatever you find out in the um, forest, pine cones, whatever, you can cook with it, and it burns 70% cleaner than the open fire. It can also pay for itself in fuel savings in a few months. The stove is a safe, portable option that is accepted and used by cooks over six continents. Uh, I give you the link to this Homestead General Store and the Rocket Stoves. You can find them a lot of places. I just figured um, I'd send you to their store because I just dealt with them. Uh, also make sure you have the cooking implements for this application now, again, this is not bug out. This isn't like you have a bug out bag and you're going to carry a, a large Dutch oven, a large iron Dutch oven. <laughs> you know, I mean, you're going to seriously be. But there's ultralight cooking out there for like backpackers, which was where you'd want to look in that regard. Okay. This would be like if you were at your, let's say, bug out location, you were at a whatever, and you wanted something to cook from, Dutch oven, which is like an iron thing that you can cover. And an iron skillet. I think those are the two things you'd pretty much want to have. And they also sell them there, too, at this Homestead General Store. And they're very high quality, what they sell. So, next thing, fire making. Uh, he's got my, it's called the Light My Fire Fire, fire Steel Army version. It's a small, lightweight, uh, can be used thousands of times to strike and shower sparks to ignite a fire for tinder. Um, the, and it, again, you'd want to have one of these no matter if you had 100 lighters because it's just one of those things where you never know what you might lose, get stolen, whatever, and you've always got to wait a lot of fire. Now, the next thing, I loved this. And I probably spent <laughs> at least a half hour last night finding a viable link for this. The Soto Pocket Torch. I went and watched the video. I'm like, this has got to be the coolest thing I've seen up here. Pocket Torch uses a regular disposable lighter. Now, it has to be one that will fit in there, but it's like a regular rectangular disposable lighter. You put it inside. like you. There's a bottom part and a top part. The bottom fits over the bottom part of the lighter, and the top part fits over the top part of the lighter. And it turns it into like a torch. 
The flame can reach temperatures up to 1,300 degrees Celsius, approximately 2,300 degrees Fahrenheit. The pocket torch is powerful, very wind-resistant, and because of the way it burns, a disposable lighter's lifespan is increased by 60% when it's used inside the pocket torch. So it converts any or almost all disposable lighters into a little pocket torch, and it's burning 60% less fuel. And you're, you're dealing with something where, you know, you're dealing with a torch flame as opposed to just a regular, like, Bic lighter or something where, you know, results can vary. Now, the, the next product I'm getting into, he says, this is very hard to find. Well, let me tell you something. The Soto Pocket Torch is just as hard to find right now. You can't find it in the United States. At least, I went through, th- I got into the third page of the search before I found one. And I could only find it in the UK. I found two places in the UK that sell them. But the one that I found, the one that I, I've got a little link next to it called Found It, it's the best price you're going to pay. You know, It's about double what you're going to pay in the United States with the shipping. But um, if you want one, and I would really believe this is a really good end time tool to have, you can find it. Now I also found this Soto Pocket Torch. Now this is different. This is one that actually has an extendable thing, and it's actually powered by, like, not a disposable lighter, but like a butane-type fuel that you refill. Um, I kind of like the other one because you could take any disposable lighter or a disposable lighter that would fit in there and convert it into this torch. This is good to have as well, though. This is a very hard-to-find item, as they are not being sold in retail stores at the moment due to government red tape and regulations and from ring. I mean, you go up to all these sites that have them, they're all, in the United States, they're all... It's like, not one can you buy them from. Not one, online at least. Um, There's no ETA or estimated time of arrival on the stock being available again. If you're blessed enough to find one on a store, on an online store, buy it, is what he says. It took me 1.5 years to find two in a small store in England, and I was happy to pay for the international shipping. So I guess I should feel fortunate. I found I found two different sites that have them. Now, you may click on these links, and I don't know if they're going to be still good, but I mean, I just found it last night, so I can't do much more. Um, what makes these so unique is their compact size and ability to extend the burner head out to light stoves, lanterns, and campfires. Wind-resistant burner with extended burner head. Um, the one I found with the best price, I give you the link to that. And then I found another one that was a higher price, but at least you could get it. And then also I threw in here another link for the Soto fill adapter or gas light cartridge because you have to have it to refill um, the butane. So I threw that in there as well. Uh, And then he also found some other Soto items that are very good. The Soto dual fuel stove with 700... They got some really slick products, I'll tell you. They're cool. But again, this is like... These products are highly compact... Like, this would be bug-out bag material stuff. And not to say you couldn't use it every day, but you're not going to probably want to use these products to feed a family of four over ten years or something. You know what I mean? Not to say we have ten years left, but I'm just saying that it's not ideal probably for that application. But for bug-out applications, it's it's amazing. And and they're, they're very, very high quality. So, anyway, let's go further. Knives. Um, he lists some different knives here. Um... If the power goes out and times get bad, one of the most invaluable items you'll carry on your purse will be a knife. And without a couple of very good knives, you'll 
you'll be in a world of hurt. They will also be a very good item for trade. Now, a lot of these things, too, think about that. Barter. Barter, barter, barter. You know, paper money, worth nothing. But you have something like a knife, and the next guy down the road don't, and he needs one. Who knows what he'd be willing to trade for it? So these are things that you might want to start thinking about. Now, he lists the first knife as the buck buck knife hoodlum. Buck knives are a real good knife, and it, I'll let you read about that. But it's it's not it's a, it's a really good it's a big knife. I mean, you can hack um, like jungle out with this thing. It looks like you know, and it's it's just really nice knife. And then he's got and the next thing is this trailblazer survivor. Sawviver. Oh, play on words. Sawviver, like a survivor. Anyway, Trailblazer Sawviver. I love plays on words. Anyway, 15 inches of pure fury. Oh, no, sorry. I just added that in. <laughs> this replaces an axe in your kit and weighs only 9.5 ounces. I really want to get one of these things. I mean, that thing is practical beyond belief. It only weighs 9.5 ounces. So you can't beat it. Fills up for easy storage in your backpack. Backpack and the saw blade is stored in the handle to prevent damage to any of your other gear. So that way it's not sawing at your other survival gears as you're walking with it, you know. Uh, make sure you buy it with the carry pouch. And again, the cheapest is on eBay where you can get it. So you can just literally copy and paste these things if you want to get something. Copy and paste it into eBay. You're probably going to find the best price up there. Um, so... He's got a little video here that says, why no axe? So maybe there's some pros and cons of having an axe as opposed to this saw. I don't know. Uh, another pocket knife called a Kershaw Blue. I'm just going to go through these rapid fire. And then another one, a good folding knife, is called a Benchmark 940. And he gives you all the particulars of these things. Next thing is power generation. He recommends a mil-spec, mil-spec folding, meaning military spec Military specifications, I believe is what it stands for. Folding solar panel. He says, you will need to recharge uh, flat batteries and your iPod. Be careful when buying a solar panel. It must reach mil-spec guidelines because with this item, more than any other, you get what you pay for. They even use higher quality cells and are wired in a way that that even if multiple cells are destroyed, it will keep working. And he recommends the PowerFilm 15. F15 and 1200 20 watt folding solar panel. And here's a link to the actual panel and a picture. No, also, what I'm not telling you is every single item we've went over so far, there's a little picture that he put in there. It must have really taken him a long time to do this. Um, but I know all about creating documents and it taking a long time because of what I kind of do every week. But he's it's really cool because he's got all the little pictures of all these things in there. And so you can kind of get a little look at them. Next thing, charging devices. Make sure all your charging devices are able to run off a 12-volt car cigarette adapter. Um, Now, what you could do, too, is go to, I don't know, auto parts store or, wow, department store, and they'll have those those adapters that you plug in to your car, um, like the the cigarette lighter port, you plug it in there, and it has a literal electric adapter that you can plug into. Now, it's not going to run like a, you know, a jack a jackhammer, but I mean, it'll it'll be rated by watts what it can actually run. And like some are like 100 watt inverter and 200 400 and you know, you can run um, you're not going to power a small city off it, but you know, you're you're going to be able to run like a laptop in, you know, 
other electrical devices. Now, as far as a charger goes, now this is the same one I've got, and I can say, yes, recommended, this is the best. The Maha MHC9000 Charger Analyzer. Now, remember, there's links to all this stuff here. It's not like I'm just throwing these out there. There's links, but you can also copy and paste and do keyword searches. This is by far the best charger on the market, bar none. Now, remember, this is only going to work with rechargeable batteries. And you want to get good rechargeable batteries to go along with the charger. Okay? By far, this is the best charger on the market, bar none, connectable to your solar panel via the car cigarette power adapter. Now, the thing is, with these chargers, why I would only recommend this one is because a lot of the chargers just charge the rechargeable battery and they don't, they'll, they overcharge them. And a lot of times what it does is it destroys the rechargeable batteries uh, because they're cheap. This thing analyzes the battery when you put it in there. It also has a lot of different modes that you can run it on where you actually discharge the battery fully and then recharge it, which they recommend you do every however many things. I don't do it enough, I'll be honest, but um, it's like... It's like the best that I know of. Um, next thing is a Goal Zero Guide 10 Plus 10 Watt Power Pack Recharger. This is a very small, portable AA and AAA battery charger. Highly recommended for your backpack. So the difference is, with the thing I just mentioned in this, is that this would be if space was at an absolute premium and you wanted a little charger. Okay, so I, I know where he's going with that because of the bug out bag thing. It's... Spaces at a premium. Next thing is a Belkin USB iPod charging cable. You could connect your solar panel via a 12-volt car cigarette adapter to charge your mobile phone, iPod, etc. So, next thing is lighting. He's got LED and standard torches. He recommends this Phoenix LD22 with white diffuser tip and headband. And this is, I mean, this thing is a really, really nice light. And um, it's top of the line. He gets into all of the, the particulars here. And I recommend at bare minimum you have one of those, a, a decent one, like one of the headband lights with the LEDs or the, or the, new, the new technologies they've got. Um, because light is a huge issue. And I really like the headband lights because it takes, it frees your hands up. And... Um, uh, I love using those when I'm working on anything because I don't have to worry about holding the, the light in my hand. And so this is this is top of the line. Top, top, top of the line. Um, so anyway, just something to think about there. Uh, he's got some other flashlights he recommends. A seven, uh, four sevens peon light in a mini mag light. Uh, he recommends having, you know, different flashlights because um, he says when it comes to torches, meaning lights, one is none, meaning you could lose it, something could happen to it. So you want to have more than one light source as a backup. The And then also, now this would be more for a not so much backpack because it's going to take up a lot of room, but the Coleman dual fuel lantern and... Um, he doesn't recommend the one with two mantles because you get only a slight increase in lighting, but it consumes a lot more fuel. So logistically speaking, it's better choice to get the one with one mantle. He gives you a link to that. Batteries. This is something to think about. Um, 
and this is something you have to really preemptively think about before you start buying a lot of stuff, which I haven't done, but AAA batteries, 99% of my gear runs on AA batteries. And I made it a point to only buy gear that uses AA batteries and a couple with a D-sized battery. So I'm not storing several different types of batteries. It's true. It's really smart. Uh, you can buy equipment that uses C and D batteries and use AAA to C or, I'm sorry, AA to C or AA to D converters as well. That way you can only store batter, store AA batteries for devices. That's something to think about. I hadn't thought about that. Um, the only two types of batteries worth buying are good quality rechargeable and lithium. Standard heavy-duty batteries do not store well and can leak and damage your gear. Communications. Uh, portable shortwave radio. Uh, he gets into all the logistics on that. I'm, I kind of got to get going here because I'm still got a long way to go. Uh, but he, he, there's a lot to read here on the shortwave. Um, gives you a whole bunch of examples of the shortwaves you might want to buy. Shortwave base station. Ham radios. Um, which is kind of a... Um, I want to say luxury. It's just one of those things where not everybody's going to get a ham radio. Okay, uh, He even says, he says, I've done too many hours of research on this. It's a minefield. And unless you don't want to become a licensed operator, which I don't, older ham, older ham radios don't want to offer too much help either. Uh, I guess the guys that operate them. So after many hours of reading forums, reviews, guides, online help books, here's the good oil for you. And he gives you like the simplified version of simplifying ham radios, which I didn't know. The next thing is antennas and other equipment. Um, I'll give you a little advice on this one. If you're going to go down to a ham radio road, no one can really hold your hand. You're going to have to read up and learn about it. Uh, and then he goes on to see what he uses as far as just handheld radios. Now, this isn't ham. This is handheld. Um, so, I've got some of these radios. My dad, was he had a two-way communications business for a lot of years. So, um, this is what he specialized in for a while. So, I've got some from that time frame. Um, anyway, he gives you some recommendations there. Then the next thing he gets into is backpacks. Now he says, I do not recommend internal frame backpacks as you can't strap gear on the outside like you can external frame backpacks. They also require skill to pack properly and they don't shoulder weight anywhere near as good as external frame packs. Unfortunately, very few companies still make external frame packs as they aren't as quote fashionable and as the internal frame. And the first one he recommends is called the Kelty Super Tayaga. Now, one thing he brings up here, which is good, he says, look for ones with earthy colors, not bright reds and blues. Uh, why? Because the reason for this is you may want to hide your backpack for a short time, and bright colors just scream to be found out and stolen. This Kelty Super Tayaga has actually become discontinued, but you can find ones good as new on eBay still. So, and then the next one is like the Grand Poobah, uh, super duper one called the Barney's Hunter Pack. These bad boys are expensive. I went up to the website and um, they're expensive, but this is the one he personally owns. He was sick and tired of using backpacks that hurt his shoulders and back and it made him feel every ounce of weight after a few hours on the trail. This is somebody that's done this. Okay, He's not just armchair quarterback. He's actually went out there and tried these things out and hiked with them for hours on end. So he said, after 30 or 40 hours of research on packs, <laughs> golly, I choose this one because I know it will last me and not fail me. 
It's one of the finest packs I've ever had on my back. It's, I can easily carry more than double the weight of my gear I could on any other pack. And these are actually handmade by a small store in Alaska called Barney Sports Chalet. Uh, how chic and regal the name. Anyway, so um, these guys, I mean, yeah, they're, they're top of the line. Nice, nice stuff. But, and it will last. So next thing is the bug out kit. Now, I'm not going to go through all this stuff. This is the stuff. It says, below is the list of what goes in my bug out backpack. Now, he's probably got one of these larger Barney Chalet backpacks that I just mentioned. So, And it's a big one. You can get a lot of stuff in that. And he's got a lot of stuff on his bug out list. This is what this is what I can fit in mine. Okay, so this is actually something he's, he's went through, inventoried all the stuff in his bug out bag in this Barney backpack and shouldered the weight. He says, if I have to walk away from my home, this is what's on my back, on my belt, and in my pockets. The items listed here are, are my personal loadout, but yours may be different. But it can help with your ideas of what you may want to pack. So he gives this gigantic list of stuff. And that's like when I realized, wow. Oh, man. I need to get a bigger backpack. <laughs> or something. He's got a lot of stuff listed here. I mean, it's it's... It's formidable. <laughs> so anyway, I, I give you that list there, or he gives you the list, and so you'll have that. The next thing to think about is tents. With a tent, weight is everything. If you have to leave the comfort of your home, it will be one of the heaviest items beside food and water that you'll have in your backpack. The compromised tent makers are faced with the weight of uh, the weight to size durability issue. It's easy to just pack a tarp in your backpack. But that's not going to protect you from heavy rainstorms, insects, and other unwanted creatures invading you while you sleep. A very good review of what to look for in a tent can be viewed here. And so it gives you a link, to a uh, YouTube link. And then he gives you two different tents that he uses and recommends. The Mountain Hardware Skyledge 3 gives you all the specs on it. And then the REI Quarter Dome T3 um, Plus gives you all the specs on that. And it's top of the line. Ne- the next thing is boots. Uh, if there is a war in the Middle East and fuel prices go through the roof, then you'll be walking a lot more than you'll ever have than you than you ever have. You will need a pair of boots that can handle a lot of miles on them. If the boots fail and the shops are empty, you, my friend, are in big trouble. There are so many boots in so many brands and so many models that change on half a year basis. It's impossible to recommend a particular brand of model and boot. As a reference, I own a pair of Oslo TPS 520 GV boots, and they cost me about $300 Australian. Now, I can hear you say, wow, that's a lot of money. But the pair I owned before this pair lasted me 14 years, and I wore them nearly every day of those 14 years. So they were really, were they really that expensive? No, they worked out to be a very good investment, 21 bucks per year. One item for your boots I will recommend is Superfeet. They are awesome supports for inside your boots and very inexpensive. And see if you can get the salesman to give you them for free to sweeten the deal when you purchase the boots. So he gives you a picture of the boots and the, and the sweet feet. And then the navigation part. Now this is, I mean, you know, this is gonna this is worst case scenario bug out thing where you actually need a compass. And he recommends this. Camelaga Mil Spectridium Lensac Compass. Um, this is 
this one is the one they would use in the military. This Make sure you get a military surplus one, not the retail version. There is a difference in the build spec. So he gets into all that stuff. He shows you how to spot a real one. Uh, it says, if you live in the Southern Hemisphere, you must get your compass balanced for the Southern Hemisphere. And evidently, he says, they'll, many times they'll do that for free, this particular company. Um, he has a GPS listed in here, and he gives you the reason for it. Um, he's using it as a low, he says, I'm not sure if it will still function as a location device when everything collapses, but the beauty of, the, of this particular GPS, this Garmin 60 ECS, is that you can still scroll around and view all the maps and topographical features without a location signal from the satellites. It, it won't tell you where you are, but that's what your backup compass is for. So worst case scenario, it's a very detailed map of your whole country. I'm not 100% sure on the GPSs. Okay, so, um, but I, I, I totally understand his point there. Um, fishing. If you are near a water source and you don't have a fishing rod and tackle kit, you're a passive of massive food source. Normal fishing rods are too cumbersome in a backpack, uh, but there's a solution out there. They're called pin fishing rods. And the only place to buy is from the guy that invented them, and he gives you the link to it. Um, so he, it's a really cool thing. It's only eight and a half inches long when it's collapsed. Uh, looks amazing. So anyway, he gives you all the stuff there. Clothing. Uh, this is one topic not widely discussed in prepping circles, but it's very important to consider if prop power water gets turned off, you won't be able to wash your clothes as well as you do now. This means that normal clothes will wear out much quicker due to the dirt wearing out the fibers. That's something that most people don't think about. I hadn't really he recommends these, they're called BDUs, battle dress uniforms. One way to minimize this is to buy BDUs. They are designed for the rigors of war where men don't get to laundry very often. And the ones I recommend are the True Spec brand, as they're as close to mil spec, meaning military spec specifications, as you're ever going to buy new. I did a little research on this too. True Spec Multicam BDU trousers with Nyko ripstop. And I give you the links. I actually added the links into here where you can go to a place and get them. Uh, they're not cheap, but again, if it's something that you know, you're going to have to wear, and let's say you're in the woods or the forest, you're going to want something really sturdy, durable. You might be on your knees, you might be on your elbows. They've got optional elbow pads and knee pads that you can get. Um, they have a little espresso machine you can order that actually comes out the side. No, just kidding. Anyway, but they've got um, the TruSpec Multicam, meaning multi-camouflage, True jacket, Nike ripstop, and that's uh, the, the top part and the trousers. And then I, I even put in here the ones for women, women's true spec 24-7 ripstop pants as an option. Too. Now, there's all kind of clothes. I just threw that in there, up there. The only problem with these is you'll stand out as perhaps someone military, which can make you a target if you're not welcome in your if you're not welcome in your area. But if you're going to buy this line of clothing, I recommend getting them in the multicam with the NRI coating, um, which lowers your infrared signature on FLIR scopes. That's really getting serious. <laughs> that's, that's heavy duty. Anyway, so um, I give you the links to that. And then everyday wear. And he says, always buy synthetic clothing. At least 65% of synthetic blend, at least a 65% synthetic blend, as it wicks away sweat and doesn't hold water weight like cotton does, dries much quicker than cotton. If you don't have a long distance in heat, 
and you don't want to be carrying extra weight on your wet clothes. Also, wet clothes don't breathe, so you'll heat up more. Just add the problem of more water weight as well. And he gives some examples of that. And then also for um, more colder weather, micro fleece. It's the lightest weight-to-warmth ratio clothing you can buy. I buy Ridgeline for the quality of the fleece and the stitching of the garment. And he goes on to take, talk more about that. And, he, and then he even gives this little package deal, a bundle, where you get a beanie, a jacket, a shirt, pants, socks, and that espresso machine I told you about. No, just kidding. But be warned, this bundle is made to be price point. It's still good, uh, but it's not their highest quality 300 GSM fleece. So anyway, give you the we give you the stuff there. He does uh, wet weather gear. He says you need to be able to stay dry if you're away from your dwelling and you need rain gear. Anyone who's been camping hunting will know exactly what I'm talking about. The only gear I will use is the Ridgeline brand made in New Zealand because it's always raining over there and they know their stuff when it comes to making clothing to combat that. And it gives all these ratings and stuff. I, he said. The specs read like a tent because it's virtually like you're wearing a tent. That's no exaggeration. You stay dry. Um, you can order these in camel as well if you choose. So, uh, it gives some more tips and pointers. Also, next thing is gloves. Um, just as important as a good pair of shoes or good gloves. You damage your hands and you're in serious trouble. In a, see, you have to understand. When you're in the survival situation, and let's say the situation we talked about the first part of the study, you get injured, what are you going to do? I mean, a small injury, which might not be a big deal, which may be something you could go to a local dock in the box or center care or something for, um, that might not be optional. You might need something stitched up or something like that that normally might not have been a big deal, but if you don't have the things to take care of it, well, the, the biggest thing is preventing getting injured. Don't do anything stupid or half-cocked in this situation as far as taking unnecessary risks if you can avoid it. If you can avoid it. I understand that may not be optional. But you get injured in that scenario, and, I mean, it's not like you can just go up, you know. So you want to do what you have to to protect your body, and these are contingencies to do that. Different kind of gloves. The original mechanics gloves. Hit, fi- fishing, hiking, shooting, light day, light tasks. And then the pro-safe buckskin gloves. These are everyday household gloves. And then solid leather gardening gloves for using shovels, handle wire, heavy gardening tasks. So there's different kind of gloves for different applications. And then hats. Um, the Bonnie hat with mosquito netting. These are cheap and worth every penny. And this would keep mosquitoes and bugs off you if you were in that environment. Um, a beanie. I like the beanies with the propellers on the top. It's a little more practical. You can get a little lift from the propeller up there and have that studious look about you. Anyway, just kidding. Uh, you can lose a lot of precious heat through your head. Again, cheap to buy and essential to have. I recommend a micro fleece beanie. Um, these aren't to be confused with beanie babies. Okay, these are just beanies you wear in your head. Anyway, uh, the next thing is a balaclava. Balaclava, the ultimate headgear for cold weather. But don't underestimate its ability to hide biometric facial features. This can be useful. Yeah, you're right about that. So again, it's more of a, it, you're just your face. I think it's just your eyes and possibly your nose or something like that. Um, you're going to get a lot more protection. Optics. This will be important to see people before they see you in many situations. 
if the rule of law fails. The ability to distinguish between friend and foe at a distance will allow you time to evade or prepare for other courses of action. And he recommends the Dr. 8 times 21 monocular. It's, this would be for a bug out bag because it's very, very compact. Okay, And then he's got a bigger pair, which really wouldn't be bug out bag material, but it's the Nikon 1042 Monarch ATB Realtree Camo Binoculars. Uh, now again, remember, this is a guy that's done a ton of research on this stuff, so he's not just throwing it out there, and he writes a lot about that. Next thing, hygiene. The Glock entrenching tool. Now this isn't, I don't think the Glock gun, I don't know if it has anything to do with that, but it's a, one piece of a kit really mentioned is the shovel. Ever wonder why every soldier carries one of these? Well, it's not just to dig, dig trenches. We all have to go to the toilet, guys. And it's important to cover your waist. Even God thinks so. Read Deuteronomy 23.13. Now, remember what I said before about the sanitation issue? Improved sanitation is the main reason that a lot of the plagues from the past centuries were wiped out. Not vaccinations. But the vaccinations always like to take credit for it. They say, oh, look, we implemented vaccinations and it was like after we had already had improved sanitation and those things were already on their way out. And so the um, covering up waste in that type of environment is very, very important. Okay, um, This is the lightest, strongest shovel, most compact shovel on the market. It will be the first and last one you'll ever have to buy. These just don't break. comes with a root saw in the handle uh, that you can remove that you can remove and screw into the end to cut tree roots and that can impair your digging. Best value, is, as always, it's, uh, is normally on eBay as far as buying one. Female hygiene. He says, oh boy, this is never talked about with prepping, but it's absolutely essential for women. In a collapse situation, you're not going to be able to go down to the shop and buy you know, female hygiene products. But the monthly cycle will continue to run regardless of the economic climate. So, only one feasible solution I have found after a lot of looking was they're called Weemons. Since I'm not saying anymore, you girls can go read this for yourself. And I say the same thing. So, anyway, I know there's alternatives to this. I think there's even more than one alternative. There's some, one in the United States that um, I checked into. I just can't remember the name, but it's along these same lines. Okay. So, anyway. Um, who knew? Let's go further. Mold. This stuff destroys clothes, food, rust knives, guns, and is bad for your health. If you have to lock down your home and you're no longer able to have open windows and doors to provide ventilation, you will get mold. Dehumidifier packs are cheap and will save you lots of money in damaged assets. Stock up now. I hadn't even thought about that one. Now, survival is a three-legged stool. There are three main requirements to survival, as shown in the picture to the right. And there's a little stool here. And the top of the stool, the seat is survival, and then there's a three-pronged leg, shelter, protection, food, and water. Um, if you don't have all three, you'll lose the other two, in other words. It's no good to have ten rifles and 50,000 rounds of ammo in a concrete fortress and no food and water. You're going to die. Just as it's no good to have prepared all your food, water, and shelter needs, only to have someone who didn't, who you didn't plan ahead of time have the ability to take it from you by force. You need all three elements. I have taken the time to explain this because I know there are some reading this that hate guns and will not have one in their house. Well, let me assure you, you'll like having guns a whole lot more when you meet someone in a collapse situation who plans to take all your food, water, survival gear, throw you out of the house, and keep your daughter for company. Huh. Yeah. Say no more. So, again, and if that didn't make it abundantly clear to you, the first two parts, that that wouldn't be the scenario that you were 
possibly facing, most likely he's not going to throw you out of the house. He's going to kill you. So there's no witnesses. Okay? And guess what? They'll have to make sure you comply. Um, and guess what? They'll have to make sure you comply. Um, so, oh, <laughs> what will they have to make you comply? A gun. So again, now I'm not saying the Lord Jesus Christ can't protect you, but he brings up a very good point here. Um, so, enough said, and he goes on to security operations, guns, and he talks about the calibers. He recommends the following calibers, and I would agree. 22 rifle, he gives you some brands to pick from. Uh, cheap, light ammo, only rifle to take in your backpack, small game, hunting. A 308 Winchester, long range, 800 plus yards. This is with a good optical scope. Um, also... There's an AR-10, Remington 700, Savage Model 10, a 12-gauge for close encounters of the prowling kind. Uh, recommends a Mossberg 500 or a Remington 870, and a 9mm pistol to assist you in getting your to assist you getting to your rifle or shotgun. Uh, recommends a Glock 19, Sig, Keltec, XDM brands, lots to choose from. You can find one that suits you. Night vision goggles. These are expensive and a luxury, but if you can afford them, they are a massive force multiplier. Remember, most attacks on you will come under the cover of darkness, since Satan likes to lurk about. Uh, he says, buy at least the second generation models, search eBay and find some secondhand Yukons. That's what I did. No one's sneaking up on me at night. Then beyond that is even the thermal imagers, the FLIR thermal imagers, which actually I saw an optics planet the other day for two grand. I don't know if it's any good though, but it is one they had advertised and they've come they've really come down in price. That's actually where you can see thermal signatures in the night. So I'm not saying, you know, got to go buy one. I'm just saying, you know, it's it's out there. Um, security based systems. Uh, mirror system by Dakota Alert, this is an excellent system. It's modular, so you can start off with a basic one to three sensor system and grow it from there. Uh, and now there's more information about that you can thing. Also, loose lips, loose lips sink ships. Do not go bragging about your supplies or showing them off to friends. I can't emphasize this enough, guys. Loose lips sink ships. Not even my closest brothers in Jesus Christ know the extent of my supplies, training, and preparedness. I intend to keep it that way until the hammer falls. Of course, I discuss this topic with them and recommend them to prepare, offer suggestions, etc. But I don't tell them what I have or showcase my gear. Um, when the time arrives, my close friends and family will be informed and supported by me. But until then, I am staying very low-key about it. I agree. Uh, but always keep in the back of your mind the six points of separation theory. If they tell someone in passing about your level of preparedness, and in turn those people tell someone else, sooner or later that information may reach the ears of someone you definitely don't want knowing. You have been warned. Next part is medication and first aid. This is a very expensive area, guys, potentially. It has taken me years to procure a large supply of first aid equipment. Start now and work at it slowly. Three excellent resources and instructional areas are Patriot Nurse, and he gives you a link to the YouTube for that. USNER Doc, another link. And then First Aid Kits, Level 1 YouTube videos. And then Level 2 First Aid Kits, 5 YouTube videos. <laughs> level 1 First Aid, he gives you all the stuff here. Okay, it's all laid out. And then it's, eh, I don't know, not quite 20 products. Level 2. Whoa. That's serious now. Level 2 first aid kit. Big time. A lot of products. Ooh, ooh. Ooh. A lot of stuff. Like way over 100 things at least. 
Um, anyway, that's a level two kit. And then the last thing, believe it or not, we're on page 43 of the 43-page PDF. Books, guides, and videos. Find them, download them off the internet, or better still, grab a Contending for Truth <laughs> USB drive, <laughs> which has lots of books, guides, and videos in the bonus materials section. So, yeah, praise the Lord. It, uh, my listener from Australia that's, that handles the USB, um, he's put all kind of extra stuff on there, which is really cool. And this is this bonus material that could help you a lot. Make sure you print out hard copies of the books you may find useful and file them away. I hope this document has been helpful to start you off or to give those fellow preppers some ideas of things that they have missed. Now remember, this was a more short-term, get-you-out-of-the-woods, ultra-survival prepper thing. We're not talking, you know, long-term where you're playing in the garden and you're plowing the back 40 or whatever. I'm not talking about that, okay? This was just kind of meant for that application, so understand that. This isn't a, you know, like we've covered every aspect of prepping, okay? But it's it's a really good for, I mean, as far as short-term goes, it's it's awesome. Uh, get you out of the woods scenario. I hope this document has been helpful to start you off and to give those fellow preppers some ideas of things they've missed. Always remember, we can do nothing without the Lord Jesus Christ, and your trust and faith, faith must be in him. And as it is written, be strong and of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee, whithersoever thou goest. Amen. So I'll go ahead and close this out in a word of prayer. I'm going to barely get this all in. <laughs> I'm a four-part teaching. Thank you, Father God, for this food. For this food, I'm sorry. I'm not even hungry. Anyway, thank you, Father God, for this time you've given us, Lord, and all you've done for us. Thank you for this information um, that we've went over today. I pray that we prayerfully consider what's been set before us um, and act in a manner that you would have us act, not out of fear, not out of any type of compulsion, but, Lord God, that you guide us in these actions and that you clearly direct us, that your angels encamp around about us and go before us to prepare the way, that you give us clarity of mind, eyes to see, hearts to receive, and ears to hear, Lord, regarding this type of information, that we would be able to, even if we're doing this, Lord God, to be a blessing to others. It may be what why we're doing this, to, to, to stock up so that we can help others in the end times. It's not just about us, obviously. It's, it's about other people. And so, um, being able to possibly help other people to ultimately lead them to the Lord. And so, I pray that we're prudent. You give us discernment, Lord, that you give us wisdom, understanding, knowledge, uh, divine foreknowledge of what we need to do and that most of all we would be obedient to whatever you tell us to do and lord that you forgive us for any and all sins we've committed as we forgive those who have sinned against us that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart would be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight O lord our strength and our redeemer that you would cleanse us from presumptuous sins and secret faults that they would not have dominion over us and that you use us mightily lord uh, in the days and times to come and that your name be glorified through us and through the body of Christ, that you would protect the innocent, Lord God, the babies and unborn babies in the womb, Lord, that um, the moms and the dads and the teenagers, Lord, out there, those that will be saved, Lord, those of your remnant, 
I pray, God, for your protective hand to be upon them, the blood of Jesus Christ be over them, your angels would encamp around about them, and that you deliver them, Lord, according to your will from every situation that they're put in. And no matter what, Lord God, that we would have the strength and the faith to get through with whatever we're faced with, and that your name be glorified through us. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.